Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. Good evening, and as I say, we are back after 167 hours, and I say that because I forgot to turn off the stopwatch on my iPad, which I used to time the segments, and it was right at 167 hours, which struck me as funny for some reason, and I don't know why, but it did. Anyway, I'm joined by my guest, Adam Dew, whom you might say is the force behind the Roswell slides, which were initially claimed to show the body of an alien creature. Working with Don Schmidt and Tom Carey, the slides were slowly released into the world in a series of announcements and teases. This culminated in the Be Witness presentation in Mexico City on May 5th, 2016. Literally within hours, maybe that was 2015, I'll... We'll check that. Literally within hours, it was discovered that the image on the slides was that of a child who had died in the desert southwest of the United States several hundred years ago. The slides uh, had been taken in a museum sometime prior to May of 1947, which eliminated the Roswell crash as the source. It is now nearly universally accepted that the image in the slides is a mummy. And I say, mummy, and I say nearly, nearly universally accepted. Dew has described himself this way, quoting him, I can shepherd any video project from outline to final product. The bulk of my work is in quick turn, uh, on-site shooting, editing, sports marketing, and corporate videos, and all of the types 
uh, of all types and sizes. You hear some chuckling in the background. I believe that was Adam Dew because he knows where I got that. Uh, he says, I also own varsitytape.com, although I'm not sure that's still true, which is uh, Chicago-based but helps high school athletes across the country create high-end recruiting videos. Adam Dew, was I correct on that? I, I absolutely still help kids with their uh, efforts to become high, college athletes. I don't know why you would think that that was not I was curious about the uh, varsitytape.com. That's still a viable site. And uh, is it still based in Chicago, I guess, is where I was coming from. Yeah, the company's based in Chicago. We work with a lot of different high school sports teams and do recruiting videos. That's what varsity tape is. Are you are – you th- I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know why you would think that that was not the case anymore. Only, only because um, I, I thought I thought you were no longer in Chicago. That's that's why I thought. Oh. Anyway, anyway, right. Adam Dew, welcome to a Hi. different perspective. Hi, Kevin. Uh, we have we have now <laughs> told everybody who you are. Basically, the Roswell Slides is your um, claim to fame here on this program, anyway. Right. And we'll just get started with this right away, briefly because we don't have a lot of time. What was the origin of the slides? How did they come into your possession? All right, I did, uh, I did go back through my notes in my, uh, in my effort to be prepared for you today, Kevin. So uh, the first time I saw the pictures was in July of 2012. Uh, Joseph Beeson uh, was the owner of the slides uh, at the time. His sister had given them to, to Joseph and had, uh, you know, they, wanted Joseph to take uh, take them wherever they could go, essentially. We knew he had something interesting, and there was an interesting story to tell, and uh, and Joseph was entrusted by his sister to do that. And Joseph was not in the business of, of, of telling those types of stories. And so Joseph knew that I was. I had done some work with Joseph in the past, and he brought, uh, brought me down to his office and said, hey, take a look at what I've got. And uh, I was, needless to say, very intrigued from the start. Well, the question I have from here, uh, the story had always been that she had a business cleaning out um, houses in estates and things like that, and she found the slides in one of those estates. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, Catherine, Joseph's sister, her job, her she had a small business. It was a Holloway business where they would be called to, uh, you know, an after an estate sale, whatever was left over, that sort of stuff, to to clean out a house before uh, to clean it out, basically, to get rid of everything that was left and to haul it off to the dump. And Catherine uh, was a bit of a pack rat herself. Most of the stuff she would dump, and, and this time she decided to look into this box, and she found about 400, approximately 400 slides um, that we found out later ranged from around 19, the 1940s through the uh, late 1950s based on the cardboard borders on the slides. Okay. Um, I don't understand why you or Joe Beeson would think that these were something alien. The image on the slide was something alien. Well, we the slides, when you look at them with no context, they're not that interesting to me. Uh, you know, if someone, I've always told people, friends of mine who knew I was involved in this that had no interest in and UFOs or aliens, why I was doing this. I said, if someone had come to me with just with those two body slides, I never would have gotten involved with this. It, to me, it was the context of looking at the other 300-some slides and trying to put the whole thing in to a story. And why would this um, elderly woman, we re- later realized was Hilda Blair Ray, and 
Uh, we started learning about her life and what an interesting person she was. Why would she have these two body slides? Why did she separate them out from the rest of the slides? And, uh, and, and to try to take that story to its end. That was always the goal. Why did we make the leap to alien, though? That's what I don't understand. Well, I, when I looked at the slides as someone who had zero background in UFOs or aliens, to me, the slides look like what I have been trained by popular culture to think look like an alien. They don't. It's the, the large head, the large eye sockets, the skinny body, the emotionless sort of slit face, very, you know, almost no tone for the nose, the, the sort of bulbous eyes. And, uh, and again, we didn't, we couldn't figure out why Hilda would have these two slides and why she would separate them out. But to me, the physical traits of the body looked like an alien. And even when we started to do 3D renderings of the body, as you see in the trailer that you've seen before for the documentary we were working on, it, when we started to do 3D renderings, it, it, again, I'm, I'm no psychologist, but when we started to do those renderings, uh, that body started to take shape and it didn't look human to us. Uh, but wasn't it obviously in a museum setting when you see the whole slide? It, it was certainly on display, uh, on display somewhere. Uh, you know, your, your friend Don Schmidt, uh, when he, when we would make, when we would have these conversations amongst ourselves where, you know, and we did ask these questions amongst ourselves, why would this exist? Uh, you know, one of Don's suggestions at one point was that it was a military museum of some type. And you start to get into the Jackie Gleason stories of him being shown wait, wait, a wait, secret wait, wait. museum by Nixon and like these wait, things. Wait, 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 you, you've, you've gone off on a tangent. You've gotten to a point that I wanted to go to later, but, but since you brought it up, let's go with that. You say Don Schmidt was talking about it being in a, mu a military museum, yes. that he, he saw the entire slide. I mean, he saw a good, high-quality slide and could tell That's it was one in of some the kind big, of museum. It's one of the big uh, misunderstandings out there about the slides is that people were never shown the original slides. It's a revisionist history. I've got video of everyone seeing the slides on multiple occasions in multiple settings. And part of the confusion arises from the fact that there are two slides but when i show the slides to people i show them three slides i show them the the slide with uh with hilda what i think is hilda standing in the background behind the glass case and then i show the second slide with the man with the hand in his pocket uh which is the second slide and then the third slide i show is an enhanced version i, I forget which enhanced which one of the two slides we enhance but it's the one that shows the most detail in the body and what you do is because it was a dark setting and there was and kodachrome was not good in indoor lighting we brought the whites up on one of the slides to show more detail in the body now when you do that that's why the placard is blown out in that third slide i was not trying to hide anything it is simply the effect of brightening the picture is why that slide appears blown out we were not trying to hide anything and, and, you know, just what? to get to some of that, let, let me get to some of the, the critical sort of points of contention in this that, you know, I, a lot of this is because I let Tony Bregalia go off the rails uh, for so long. But uh, the placard that was sent to Rudiak Aol was a drum scanned high resolution version of one of the placards. That's why we cut one of the slides out of the cardboard to begin with was to read the slide. And we did that in 2012. And in 2012, which is before Smart Deblur came out, we wanted to read the slide because we knew that would solve this, solve everything. And so we send that slide out. We give that cutout of the, of the placard 
to, to everybody we could find that was interested in taking a look, including experts from Adobe and experts from Photoshop, which was not in your book, uh, people that looked at the slides and, and examined them and told me in their professional opinion that it could not be read. Okay, uh, the thing I want to ask is, according to Don Schmidt and Tom Carey, they didn't see the second slide until uh, Mexico City. Nonsense. You're, Nonsense. You're, okay, you're saying they did see it. Of course. Did they, did they actually see the physical slides or did they see scans of the slides? Did they see I have, the actual slides? I have, I have video of them sitting around a table with Jaime Maussan looking at the slides on a 17-inch iMac, all of the slides, and also looking at the physical slides with, uh, with a, on, a, on a light table. So they saw the physical slides? Yes. And they knew there were two of them? Yes. And uh, they knew it was a museum setting. It was one of Don's suggestions. Okay. I, it was, okay. again, to me, it was, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're going to... To make a rich, smooth cold brew, Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite. Because Tim Hortons tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Focus on, you're going to focus on the very particulars of how could I be so stupid as no, to no. think that was an alien. No. It is. No. It's, what, it's what everyone does. Everyone in retrospect says, oh, you, how could you be so stupid? Like, you know, in the, in the moment, in the time, when you want something, and everybody in this wanted something. This is key that you, again, you didn't get into this because I think it strikes too close to the bone for you, Kevin, is that no, everybody wanted, no, no, no. everybody, I, everybody I, in this. I have no dog in this fight. You do. I have no, I have Roswell, no dog in this fight. The Roswell dog is, you. I mean, you're part of that dog, Kevin. It, it's, it's, it's one of your babies. And everybody did you, has, read, did you read Roswell in the 21st century? I, I, I mean, I read, uh, I didn't have a chance to read all of it, but I did read some of it. And yes, I know you still come, you come out as more of a skeptic this time, but it's still your baby. You know, it's oh, still something. Well, I would argue life. that, I would argue that point with you because I really had no dog in this fight and I, I'm, I'm not going any specific direction. I want to make sure I have the information uh, correct from what you're saying, because it varies with what Don Schmidt says and what Tom Carey says. And I'm not saying who's telling the truth and who's lying here. I'm merely trying to get your version of the story as opposed to their versions of the story. Sure. So, so that's really all I, that's my mission here. That's only my only mission here. Well, your, if your mission was to tell the truth, Kevin, you should have come and spoken to me sooner. I, I, I made the effort to try to reach you actually. And Don discouraged it. Don, and, you and Don had a beef at some point, no, and no, let, I, on multiple occasions, I asked Don to, if I could contact you, and he said it was not necessary. Okay, let's go the other way. I asked Tom Carey specifically, can I contact you? I knew who Do Joe Beeson was long, long before any of this came out. I knew his name. I had found him in Chicago, uh, uh -huh. and, and, and I could have contacted him. And uh, according to Tom, um, I was told that you... Or, or, or Joe, one of you, 
maybe both of you were annoyed that I knew that as much as I did about this and that they that, that you were going to take your slides and go home. Tom told and, you that. Tom okay. told you that. Right? Tom, you Tom, Tom or Don told me that, that, that uh -huh. if I contacted you and, and, and I gave Tom a letter to, to give to you telling how I came up about this. I'm sorry, I've, I've misread my clock. I've got to go. We will get back <laughs> to this right after this. Please stick around. <laughs> Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. We are back with Adam Dew. We're talking about the Roswell Slides. We're, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And when we went away, I was attempting to tell Adam that I had written a long letter to Tom Carey explaining how I, what I knew about the slides and how I got that information because either uh, Adam, you, or Joe Beeson had accused them of leaking information to me, and that wasn't true. That's not where I'd gotten the information. And and they were going and you were gonna they were gonna uh, uh, stop the um, the uh, collaboration amongst you because of that. So uh, uh, yes. That would that effort never came from us, Kevin. And I've got emails that I'll send you after this uh, this conversation wow. that can prove it. And it's um, you know everybody in this involved in this project certainly in one form or another saw dollar signs. This is what I do for a living. This is my business. People complain about my methods in this. I will not have argument with anybody that has an issue with the way I went about this. It's that's well, totally I, fair. Let me, let me, let me get me keep going. But everybody that's involved in this and Tom and Don included at some point or another saw dollar signs and this was their baby in their minds and they were going to keep you out of the mix. Oh, and they did. We met in Chicago. We met in, um, Roswell in 2012, I believe it was. And, uh, Tom had approached me to write the ultimate Roswell book. And I said, great, I've been planning to do that, go through all the information dispassionately and put it out there. 
And I said, but for the book to work, we need something really new, something spectacular. And I've still got my notes from this. And they just sat there like lumps on the log. Right. I found out at that very same uh, Roswell Festival, they had given a copy of the scan to David Rudiak to see if he could uh, decode it. Mm-hmm. My point simply is, they wouldn't. They said nothing to me about that. All they had to do was say, "Yeah, we got something going here." They didn't even say that. It was kind of like, "Ha ha, we got something, and you don't know it." Uh, so you know, that's that's where some of that's coming from. And I, you know, I'm not making any accusations here. I'm really trying to get to the information. Well, let me give you a little bit of context about the, my relationship with Tom and Don that has never been put out there before. So I, I like I like Don a lot. And we, Joseph and I, you know, we were sort of doing two things simultaneously in this. Is we were, we were, Joseph and I were much more interested in the, the Hilda side of this, to be honest. And we're digging into her background and and figuring out that you know what her connections were and and the life that she lived. And at the same time, we would meet every few months or every four months, um, uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with Don. Uh, which is about halfway between where Don lives and in Chicago. And so we would uh, meet him up there and go through where things are at, and then we would go away. And honestly, the first, from 2012 through 2014, Tom wasn't involved in this very much. Um, you know, but I will say this, I hate, to, I hate to jump around too much, but one of the r- really interesting things that didn't make your book is that Joseph initially, before I was involved, sent the slides in an email to Stanton Friedman. I Stanton was going to ask, slide. I was gonna ask had, you that. I was he had ask the slides. You that. One, of my questions here, yeah, one, one of my questions here was, did you or Beeson contact Stanton Friedman first? We and did. then who? And, well, Joseph, and Stanton said he does not do investigations anymore and that we should contact Tom and Don. And Joseph, from my recollection, initially contacted Tom, but we because of Chicago and where, where, Don, where Don is, we... Be, we developed more of a relationship with Don and Don was more involved and I got to like Don a lot. And I think everybody, everybody's interests in this were pretty um, straightforward and above board and nothing was rushed. And, you know, everybody, this was a project that everybody was sort of working on on the side. And uh, it wasn't until things there started to, you know, there started to be some production companies interested and Jaime Massan got interested that like the dollar signs started to, you know, people started to think there'd be some money involved. Trust me, nobody. If you add up the hours, nobody made a nobody made m- more than a couple bucks an hour on this for sure. But the uh, uh, the end result was, you know, people's vested interests started to sort of take shape. And Don and Tom, you know, they have a vested interest in Roswell living on. And I have questions where I've asked Tom on or Don on video. I said, Don, how do we know this is Roswell? And Don would Don had an explanation and his, but ultimately it was important to for Don to connect it to Roswell because Roswell is important to Don. And but if you know, Don, to- Don says now in, in today's environment that uh, he had never said it was connected to Roswell. That was all Tom Carey. Mm. And, and we've got, we've got statements by Tom Carey t- connecting it directly to Roswell. He said the first time he saw the slides, he thought it was the uh, uh, alien as described by Frankie Rowe because of the spot on the head. And and so, but Don has said, and and we had never gotten into this. When I say we, Don and I had never talked about this prior to the big 
reveal in, in Mexico City, he said that um, he had never said it was Roswell slides. I don't know who coined the term Roswell slides. I started calling them the not Roswell slides right. because, because um, Don was – somebody was saying, well, we, 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 we haven't said that. We, we haven't connected them to Roswell. I think it was a naysayer. I think it was a I think it was a naysayer who initially coined the phrase. I don't know who it was, but we certainly wasn't us. Well, my, my I coined the phrase not Roswell slide. So I, I I'll maybe it's your fault, that. Kevin. Maybe it's all no, your no, fault. No, I, oh sure, why not? I don't <laughs> care. Um, had you had you ever heard of the alien autopsy prior to seeing the slides? You know, I I had a um a very very rough knowledge of anything related to UFOs before. Uh, starting this project. And so, you know, for me, I was at many, many points in this, I just felt like I was sort of holding on and, and letting it take me where, where it wanted to go. Um, and, and it's, I'm certainly maybe I could be guilty of letting Tom and Don drive the ship too much at points, I guess. Well, the reason I asked that question is because according to Tom and Don, um, the slide film was manufactured in 1947. And they knew that because there was a triangle and a square on the slide on the film. Yeah, I Which, never said that. Again, this is like, you know, a part of this uh, is Tony's fault and Tom and Don and the people saying things out of out of turn. Things that people this is one of the reasons for non-disclosure agreements. It's not it's to keep people silent until we know as much as we can know. And if somebody had asked me at the time, I would have told them that yes, we had some slides in the collection. We peeled the borders off a few and because we knew that on every given roll of Kodachrome, there is uh there is one slide that has those uh, those code symbols on it, but you don't know from one to thirty uh, which slide in the roll has it on. You'd have to peel off every bit of of cardboard to find it. And we have two slides, uh, the two body slides. We we peeled off the the border from one, and the, and we've shown the the edges of that slide. It has no symbols on it. It's not one of the ones that has the symbols on it. We don't know for sure that that slide is from 1947. We do not know that. The reason I bring that up is because that code is wrong. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The, the, the triangle and square is a code for, for motion picture film, not for slide film. The codes on slide film was different. Well, yet, I, I'll go back. And I think you're wrong about that. I will. I will. I remember you writing about that at one point. Yes, I, I did. I, you have, I will send you an edge of one of my Kodachromes that has the symbols on it that you're talking about. That's okay. where, but it still it still turned into, uh, it turned into some misinformation that was not put out by us. It was put out well, mostly by Tony Bergalia. Yeah, you know, I was again, about to say I, that. <laughs> I let you know. I just, I, you know, and it's funny because again, in your book, you you've got this this chapter about my slides, and you know, I could have I could have cleared up so much of this. You put my in these rants my- by Bergalia, word for word, 
And he is, you know, when we talk about oh, Shane I- Brooke, talk about Shane Brooke. I found Shane Brooke independently of Tony Bergalia. Okay. Tony Bergalia uh, contacted Shane Brooke and, and freaked Shane Brooke out. When I contacted him, I don't know, six months later independently, he was like, wait, I think I've heard about these slides. He's like, I'm not having anything to do with this. I had to go back and explain to him that I am not an alien guy. I'm a guy from outside doing this project. I just need him to vet the slides. He wanted nothing to do with this project. I had to talk him off the edge. Well, I, I think a lot of the problem came from from Tony Begalia, and I put into my book Tony Begalia's rants because I thought they were important to show how bad the information was that was leaking into the public arena and where it was coming from. You tell a story about Nick Redfern. You start off that chapter with a story about Nick Redford getting a phone call. I have no yes. idea how Nick Redfern could have ever gotten a phone call from someone that knew about the slides, That's let alone what... someone with a southern accent. Does Tony does Tony have a southern accent? He's no. the only person I can think of that would that would uh, have have contacted you know, Nick Redfern. Um, I, I hesitate because I don't I don't know that uh, this the, that story about Nick Redfern I got from Nick Redfern directly from I know. Nick Redfern. I know. I've always and, wanted to ask Nick about that. Nick's one of the few people in this process I never met face to face. See the one the one MUFON conference I went to, and I don't think Nick was there. But I, you know, I met everybody else. It seems like in this in this arena at some point. Well, I, I think we've, we've um, you know, I, I've got a, I had a list of questions here, and we've kind of hit a number of those. Uh, like uh, both Tom and Don say the slides were manipulated so that the placard was deliberately obscured, but you're saying that it was the slides were dark, and by uh, bringing up the uh, light, you um, you have to by you by default have to blow out the placard to if you're going to yes. bring up the uh, exposure. And and the highlights in the in the image, it's going to blow out the placard. Okay. All right. All right. But uh, so there was some manipulation. Here, here, slide, here's, and here's how you can. But, how you can but it wasn't. It wasn't done. But it wasn't done to conceal anything. It was done no. to. And I, I mean, I've done that on slides I've got from um, my service in Vietnam, where I have brought up the the light from the background so you can see the images because the, the slides are dark. They're 50 years old nearly so uh, i can understand that again it was it was not it was and it, it, here's and it, i'm yes. going to get into the, too much of the minutiae probably but a, a big problem that people had was um the night of may 5th we put out the first slide that got put out was one of those was the image with the blurred um with the whited out placard right and yes. so that was a big contention for people that we were trying to hide something, even though the next day we put everything out on the website as we promised to do. But when Richard Dolan was going on coast to coast, he was in, we're in the bowels of the National Auditorium in Mexico City. The scans that we have of the two original slides are very large files. And, this, and the enhanced version where we had brought up the whites was one that we had exported into a smaller file size. That was the only one that I could email out in an email to Richard Dolan to send to coast to coast. And, and that's when it got then attached to that um, radio interview. And that set a bunch of people off too. Uh, again, it was, it was a, it was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it, but it was not anything done with uh, um, anything, any deceptive um, intent. So um, that wasn't the slide that was eventually decoded. I think you put a slide up on your, was it the, the chroma codes? Chromacode, 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 chromacode
that that you were running at one time. You, you put this uh, uh, high quality scan up within hours of the the meeting in Mexico City, and that was the one I think the Roswell Slides Group used to decode the placard. Well, and here's and here's the other thing: that if if someone wants to go back and have Rudiak pull the the sliver that we sent him and have Rudiak post that, I guarantee you that the Roswell Research Group guys will be able to deblur that one as well. You know, I went back and looked because I I felt terrible about the slide being deblurred. I felt I felt terrible because I didn't want it to I didn't want it to be deblurred to be honest. And, well, uh, let me let um, me interrupt here I, because I'm I'm running up against my clock right. again, and this time this is, I'm paying attention to the clock. All right, I got you. Go ahead. We'll come back. We'll come to back to this right after we make make our break. As usual, I'll have a lot of stuff up on my blog, uh, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, probably with some comment from Adam Dew. There's been a lot a lot of stuff that I'd done on the blog prior to May 5th that you can see how things were going about, and I'm getting the information piecemeal, trying to keep it going as much as I can. And and periodically we you and I were communicating through email, but uh, oftentimes it didn't work out as well as I would have liked. So that's part of the problem. It wasn't that I wasn't searching out the information. I just couldn't get a response. And I was a little bit inhibited by the non-disclosure agreements as well that you and Don signed. And they were afraid that you would think that they had violated it, giving me this information. So we'll come back to all of this uh, in just a couple of minutes. So stick around. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Believe it or not, we have returned. I'm joined by Adam Dew. He of, um, I guess, Slidebox Media. Does Slidebox Media still exist? Is that no, viable? It doesn't, it, it doesn't exist. I'm going to finish the documentary at some point. I mean, obviously, it was uh, Slidebox Media was formed because uh, Joseph didn't want to be out in the open uh, with this project. He's a private person, much like my wife didn't really want me to be involved in this project because she's a private person. Uh, and she didn't want to be married to uh, the alien guy. Um, 
she, uh, you know, we, we, but Slidebox was, that's why Slidebox was created, was basically to protect Joseph and to create some sort of uh, partnership agreement between Joseph and I in terms of the slides and the documentary. And uh, since, since we've, you know, since the slides were deblurred, I put the project in the back burner and Joseph and I dissolved Slidebox. And I, I will finish the documentary at some point. I think it's still a great story. And I think that, you know, I think it had international interest. Um, you know, I think that we get so caught up in, in the local, uh, you know the the blogs here in America that we we that they were in Spain they were doing TV shows about this in Japan they were doing TV shows about the slides I think that um that was one thing that I found fascinating was how uh, the slides caught on uh, internationally. Oh, I can tell you the the, the hits on my blog went up uh, five or six times when this whole thing began, and I was getting many more hits then than I am today. Although the Oak Island thing has kind of uh, sprung up on me, Good. and. Uh, <laughs> and it's helping. So basically, you're saying you you this wasn't created as a test for the credulity of UFO researchers. You got the slides and thought there was something alien about them. And uh, Stan Friedman said to contact Tom Carey and brought in Don Schmidt. And that's how this whole thing began. It wasn't some kind of a test uh, about UFO research and UFO researchers. No, not at all. I'm not a misinformation agent in any way. And I'm not out to, uh, I'm not out to, to put a crimp on anybody's hobbies or, or efforts, uh, otherwise, but my, you know, when I was thinking about that today a little bit and, and how I've been accused of, of ruining ufology or setting it back <laughs> in any way. And I'm like, if I'm capable of doing that, like what kind of footing were you on in the first place? Um, if, if, if I'm able to do that, uh, I just, I feel like that, uh, um, I'm sort of being used as a scapegoat. Well, I, I don't, I think part of the problem is some of the secrecy that was involved in the, the whole uh, Roswell slides thing as it began and how the, the information was leaking out. And I had actually warned Tom and Don that Tony was releasing more information than he probably should. Uh, and it was all over. And, and a lot of it, I mean, what he was saying was just absolutely untrue. We found out later it was untrue uh, based on, I guess, his enthusiasms of, for the project and everything that where it was going. So uh, that was part of the problem. Early on, we tried to get Tony. We, we asked Tony several times to stop talking about this and he can't control himself. And but eventually he was drumming enough up enough interest and buzz that I said, you know, from 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 my project standpoint, he was doing a great amount of, of free work. And so I just sort of let him let him go and figured that I would that I would set the story straight eventually was my well, and, and and to do that, let's let's tackle this question. There there were two body slides, but they're numbered nine and eleven. Is that correct? Glad you brought that up. I have that in my notes to to mention that. Yeah. So I I, I know everyone's so there were two slides and uh, in a collection of 400 slides that were jumbled into in, in together. They weren't rubber banded together so you knew that one set of slides was from one roll. It was a curated collection of slides. So you've got a couple and, and nothing was, there's no way to tell which two slides went with which roll. So I have slides number nine, it's stamped number nine in the back and it's, there's a stamp on number 11. and. Uh, we always found that fascinating, and, and trust me, I wish we had slide 10. We always thought that maybe slide 10, in our minds, was one that they had given to whoever had let them go in to take the photos of the body. Uh, that was one of our, uh, you know, wacky theories at one point. Um, and, you know, that well, they kept came, 9 and who, 11. Who came up with the idea Eisenhower was involved in this, other than the pictures of him in the slide collection? Well, the pictures of him in the slide collection, and... Uh, we, Catherine, Joseph's sister, 
uh, was did some research on Hilda in Sedona, and uh, the, she found a woman who was a, uh, the lead of one of the uh, local f- female organizations, like a, a women's auxiliary. And she told Catherine that, oh, it was common knowledge that Hilda was very good friends with Mamie Eisenhower. And then we, so that led us to then look more into that relationship. I've heard from uh, one of Hilda's distant relatives in Texas that there was maybe even been some relation to the Bush family when they lived in Midland um, or some connection there, some friendship there. And, and I went to Hilda's house that she and Bernard lived in in Midland and they did in fact live close to where George Bush's, George W. Bush's childhood home was. Well, one of the things I would have done had anybody bothered to ask me was to point out that Eisenhower fired general officers during the, um, planning for the Norm- Normandy invasion because they had spoken out of school about some of the classified materials. I could not conceive of Eisenhower allowing someone in to see something that would be classified so top secret, uh, especially civilians over whom he would have no control and allow them to take photographs of it. I mean, that was a preposterous idea. And I tried to disavow uh, Tom and Tom of it, but uh, he wouldn't listen to me. I also suggested to him in December before the uh, the uh, Be Witness Project, uh, because I was looking for any explanation for this, and I'd gone through all the science fiction materials I could find, the movies that might have produced something like this without having really seen the slide, and I asked him flat out, is it a mummy? And he said no, and it turns out, of course, that it was. But well, it didn't look like any, and again, in my efforts, it didn't look like any mummy that I could find on online i couldn't find and i went to the muter museum in philadelphia at one point and had their people looking at it and the guy at the muter museum even took me into their back shelves to sort of try to show me some stuff that he thought might be similar and i didn't see anything in my mind that uh fit what we had photos of so you you had kind of eliminated the slide i know tom said that they looked at 500 slides i think he blamed tony for that as well looking at all these slides or photographs online of of mummies and could find nothing that matched although i think some of the people in europe found egyptian mummies that were similarly um mutilated i guess would be the term well Uh, and again we were working under the we're working under the assumption that there were certain dimensions involved in this creature that were out of the norm at a minimum um, but you under, but you now you now admit it's a mummy, right? Um, it certainly looks that way. Uh, I mean, the placard gives you the story. Yeah, no, the placard gives you the story. It does. And, I'm not going to deny. I, not going to deny what the placard says. Uh, you know, again, I'm still in a position where I uh, or I hold out hope that there's something else, that there's some sort of third act here with this. Uh, I, I, it's a very slim super slim but as i said from the beginning kevin you know and you and you do give me this credit in the uh in your book i did say that it's probably nothing and that was always what i stuck to and it was everybody else yeah that that poured the superlatives on and 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 i am guilty of going along for the ride 100 but i was not the one putting those superlatives out there Oh, I know who putting the superlatives out there. I understand that completely. But the, the reason I bring that up is because given the whole slide um, as it came out and all of that, they were able to – once a placard was read, they were able to identify the museum. And that was why I said in the introduction that we knew it had nothing to do with Roswell because the mummy had been moved from that museum prior to uh, July of 1947. So um, the rays couldn't have been there and taken any photographs of that in that particular museum. Oh, I see. So, so that was why I had said that in the in the beginning. Um, 
that it couldn't have anything to do with Roswell. I am. I guess I'm still a little curious. Um, you say that um, you plan to finish the documentary at some point, but it's not a, I guess, a, a priority project with you anymore. Well, it's not nearly worth as much. Potent, you know, I, I I have to judge, run my business based on where I can, you know, I can support my family. I've got three kids. I've got uh, obligations, you know, so I have to find oh, the time. To, so that's yeah. So unfortunately, you know, even though after the article in the Guardian came out. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did get uh, more calls from some production companies that were interested. So, uh, sadly for 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 dear Tony uh, Bergalia, there is still uh, hope that this thing will get made. Even though he sent me some threatening emails last week, uh, t- uh, telling me that I better not dare uh, finish this thing. So, well, I can I, I can understand why he didn't want wouldn't want it finished. Um, but I mean, so the point is, I guess. We're all pretty much convinced it was it is a mummy. Um, I, I, well, the only question I have, and again, it's getting into the, the uh, minutia of the whole case, is you had identified um, Benavides in, as an officer in the Air Force. Remember the the um, I am absolutely guilty. Ju- I he, I should not have called him lieutenant, Kevin. I I fall on my sword on that one. He was not a lieutenant. I should well, have yeah. I should have vetted that I should have vetted that better. But Elazar, to me, and I'm glad you brought up Elazar because you know I I feel really bad that he gets lost in this uh, because to me I came out of this project feeling like uh, coming in as a novice and 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 a neophyte in this that thinking that uh, that the government is still lying about what happened at Roswell. I'm not saying it was alien or UFO what happened at Roswell, but after talking to people, to me. Uh, and the government's explanation in '94 that to me that there's still something that's not uh, doesn't resonate, especially when it comes to the fact that so many people say they that there were bodies involved, and the government seemed to even admit as much with their weird explanation for the bodies. <laughs> yeah, the, the exponent, the anthropomorphic dummies that were dropped yeah. some ten years later. Yeah, I just uh, it's so strange that they even went there. Like I don't even I don't get that. Well, so. I can tell you how that happened, if you're interested. It was uh, James McAndrew who thought they needed to deal with the bodies, and Colonel Weaver didn't want to do it and didn't have anything to do with it, but um, McAndrew thought they had to explain the bodies, and that was why they, he he went off kind of on his own to do that to, oh, okay. and came up with that explanation for it. All right. uh, but why did you think he was a lieutenant? That's, I guess... I, I was. I'd have to go back and look at my notes. There was okay. some. At some point, it was passed to me that that was his his rank. But I know that Elazar, uh, after, when speaking to him and interviewing him, he, he may not have been a lieutenant, but he was in close quarters with the some of the famous names that were uh, that were involved in the case. Anyone, according anybody at Roswell would have been in close quarters with them. Well, well, there you go. <laughs> yes. And Elazar, yeah. the, the stories he tells, I just I don't think that he is making up. His stories wholesale. I don't think that they're coming from nothing. I don't think that he is just part of some mass psychosis that happened in Roswell. I don't. I don't believe that. So, well, I was just kind of curious, and that really is really into the minutia because it was really kind of an un- unimportant fact. And, it, 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 and well, that with all the other stuff coming out, you say, well, gee, this is wrong too. It uh, does. Well, whatever. But you can. But to me, the Elazar being involved is important in that. That yes. was why that was the most important. So if we got to a point with those slides where we couldn't, we we thought it was just going to end up a mystery. We thought we vetted the slides. We knew they were authentic. We knew they were authentic to the 1940s. And then we wanted to find someone that had seen aliens or claimed to have seen aliens and show them the slides and get their impressions. Maybe that was the next logical step 
in trying to uh, to play this thing out. And that was how we ended up there at Elazar's door. And um, you know, I, I hope that Elazar doesn't get uh, his testimony doesn't get uh, totally lost because of the the slide uh, placard being deciphered. But I, I'm afraid that it will. Um, I'm I'm running up against the uh, next break here. And I was going to take the last uh, segment to kind of talk about the end of the program, but I'm, I'm wondering if, um, is there something that you'd like to discuss for a couple of minutes in the next segment before we cut you loose and I do my, my swan song, so to speak? Is there something that you wanted to talk about? Have you, we covered, you covered the you stuff that you'd else, like to? You don't have anything else pressing? I have, I have other questions that um, I think you and I can discuss through email and whatnot and we can put up on the blog. Um, I think I've gotten the points that I wanted to get to right away, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to give maybe a, a few other uh, questions and or uh, make a couple of other statements if that if you'd like to do that. Well, I, I will say I did give up. Well, I, all right. Why don't you split the next segment then? I just give me okay. a couple minutes, okay. and I'll, I'll okay. sort of make a few final points. I, I've got to break away then. Uh, you've heard Adam Dew is going to hang around for a couple of extra minutes. There'll be more stuff on the blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, which I said real fast, and we will be back right after this. So stick around. The Earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am back with Adam Dew. We're going to talk for a couple more minutes, and then I'm going to give a, a 
make a few comments as well. Uh, Adam, you had some things that you wanted to say or to close this out, at least this quick interview. Uh, well, I wanted to thank you. I think it's nice to finally meet you uh, after all these years uh, in this thing. But, uh, you know, um, I think the thing that, I, that bothered me the most about the, the chapter in your book about, about us was, was saying that the that Hilda's story was some sort of a red herring and it was just, um, you know, to me, that was, that was the main reason why I was involved in this project in the first place was because of Hilda. So I just wanted to make that point clear. And then also that this was a hoax to me is offensive. And I, again, I've never seen anyone, uh, come with any proof or any sort of, um, it's just people want it to be a hoax. They want to claim it's a hoax. And I think it's sort of a um, part of the way that people talk these days in sort of hyperbolic um, terms uh, that, that, that well, people I think, put these labels I, I, on things. I think you look at it from this you – know, the perspective I come at it, the alien autopsy was clearly a hoax. They staged the whole thing. They made the film. They created the dummies. They did all, all of that sort of thing. And we look at this, uh, we've got sort of uh, alien autopsy light because all we've got are two slides of a mummy. And I think they were thinking that uh, that was created or that was used to per per uh, per uh, precipitate uh, the hoax. And I think that's where they're going. I talking to you and talking to Tom and Don, I don't think there was any hoax really involved in this. It was just a lot of excitement about we have the smoking gun for the Roswell case and we're going to present it in Mexico City at some point, uh, thanks to Hani Musan's uh, um, showmanship, I guess. Yes. Would be the word. And I think that that, for me, when I look back on it, you know, we had this was a roller coaster and we had moments where we certainly were like, what are we doing? This is not, it can't be what we think it might be. And then you'd have, I would have days where I would be looking out my bedroom window and see a white van and, and think, why is that white van there? And your mind starts to go there. And for someone who's never been involved in this, uh, you know, it's easy to let yourself get swept up in it. Uh, it was an interesting, um, thing to be involved with. And, uh, you know, if anybody was offended by it, I'm sorry. Um, I know that that's that's that, that's the apology that no one likes to hear and no one gives you credit for. But um, uh, it was. I, I know that this is something that people take very personally uh, on both sides. But uh, you know, I think it was a, a matter of people not uh, knowing me uh, was part of the problem too. You know, I've had conversations with uh, with one one member of the research group, uh, very cordial conversations. And, uh, sadly, none of those guys agreed to, uh, to sort of take their, um, their moment in the sun and be in my documentary. I think that would have been a great way to wrap things up. I think that's one of the things that sort of has, has stopped me is that none of those guys will, uh, will sit for an interview to sort of, um, to gloat with me on their behalf. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, gloat may not be the right word you want to use there. Oh, there was some gloating. Oh, uh, there was a lot of gloating. You mean gloat, gloat by, on, on, on their, on their, on their Yes. On their part, not on your part. Okay, yes. okay. Well, listen, Adam, I'll let you go. Hey, I appreciate this. Um, I'll be in communication with you. I'll send you the link as we talk about sometimes. And um, put up uh, an entry on the blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And then you'll be, of course, allowed to... Uh, comment on it as well. I think we've hashed out a lot of stuff and I think we've answered, we answered the questions that I had. I had a list, a long list of questions that people had sent me, but in our discussions, I mean, all the questions pretty well got answered. So thank you for joining us here on A Different Perspective.
My pleasure. Yeah. I will I will do my best to answer some questions on the blog as well. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Kevin. Take care. Good night. Uh, as we've talked, as I've talked about for several weeks, I said that this would be the series finale, but uh, I, there's no need to really bur burn that bridge. And, and what I've talked about with uh, Rob McConnell and everything was that uh, we'll take a, a hiatus here uh, to, to get things kind of straight in my mind. But I'd like to thank Rob McConnell for the opportunity and for his help and guidance in uh, producing the program and helping me with, uh, with the things that need, I needed help with. And I'd like to thank the listeners for making this show number two on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, at least for a couple of months. I certainly appreciate that. I'd like to thank most of the guests. I say most of them because some of them were really annoying. But without them, um, you'd just have been treated to me week after week, which would have become boring, I think, very quickly if, if that had been just me talking on and on incessantly about UFOs, although it's a topic I can talk about long, uh, very, get very long-winded on. And uh, I, I'd like to note that the show allowed me to interview many people who I might not have been able to talk to or might not have been willing to talk with me otherwise. Uh, there are some who refused the invitation to promote their books, which struck me as odd, even though I might not agree with their perception of their books. I've always accepted the invitations on other programs to talk about my books and my work, figuring that if I'm going to write a book about a topic, I should be willing to defend that topic to all who might want to uh, ask questions about it and not get angry with them for asking tough questions or disagreeing with what I had to say. And I've also uh, thought of the show as a way of exploring, exploring many uh, facets of the paranormal, but I tried to keep it fair to all of those who came on the program, allowing them to explain their points, as we just did with Adam Dew. As, as you heard, he got an opportunity to give his point of view, and I think it's something that hasn't been uh, really examined through the whole Roswell slides fiasco, and it, that, that's really the best word for it, it was fiasco. But I, I allowed the guests to... Uh, explain their points of view, and you know that I asked tough, some tough questions and we got into some uh, interesting discussions, and I always tried to dig a little deeper uh, than uh, sometimes is the case on, on shows like that. So oftentimes the hosts look at it as a way of, uh, I, I guess, just promoting books and not really worrying about the accuracy of some of the things said. I always tried to get to the accurate statements and find out what was going, going on. But I did find it... Uh, Difficult to deal with some of the guests who didn't have a good grasp of their topics, and I wondered why some of them had written books when those books provided nothing new, but were a rehash of what has been published before, and you asked them questions, and they didn't really understand some of that, and I, that was uh, something was interesting to me, um, and I thought that uh, we could explore that together on that. And I've been accused of, of that as well, but I think Roswell in the 21st century as an offering it prevents a different perspective of that case. And we talked a little bit about that tonight as well. I thought of it as a dispassionate examination of the evidence and the testimony. And I really was trying to uh, give a good look at what Roswell was about as we understood it today, not as we understood it in 1991 or 1995 or 1997. And Encounter in Desert, which is about the uh, Socorro case, I thought of as, as uh doing the same thing, an in-depth look at the Socorro landing. And it was inspired by Ben Moss and Tony Angiola, as I've said many times. Uh, as we were talking on the program, they said a couple of things that fired my imagination, and I wanted to get uh, beyond that. And I, I, they didn't answer one of the questions 
adequately, which was the, the three additional witnesses. And I wondered if they had talked to or seen the police records of that. And, and uh, by going into it, I found the documentation that supported that. And uh, I was also found other things about the case that hadn't been publicized very well. So I thought it was important to, to do a book about that. And that's uh, what happened there. So I, I used that to expand the case by adding new and little known detail that I was able to to find and it was brought up about the uh, uh, some of the things that uh, Tony uh, Angiola and Ben Moss had said but I'm kind of winding down the program right now um, and you know I know a lot of people think well you know a one-hour show once a week isn't a big deal but for me there was a lot of prep in it I wanted to make sure I'd read the books I wanted to make sure I understood what the topic was I wanted to understand where the author of the book was coming from or the researchers were coming from so I spent a lot of time kind of setting up uh, all of that sort of thing and uh, I had to deal with a couple of guests who canceled at the last minute and that was always a, a lot of fun Rob told me that I spent way too much time in prep but I wanted to know the answers to the questions before I asked them or I wanted to have a good feel of whether questions were going to go and we wouldn't uh, get into something we really didn't uh, need to get into so you know I brought some of the stress on myself and I brought uh, some of the problems on myself because you know, I was trying to make it a good program with good information and good entertainment there are many fine shows on the Exome Broadcast Network, which I don't often, I don't mention often enough, which I should. And you can find that at XZBN, or if you happen to be uh, in Canada or England, that would be XZBN.net. And take a look at it. I'm sure that there's something on there that would interest everybody, and we should, uh, they should, you should give them a listen and understand what's going on there. I know that the hosts of those programs are deeply involved in their topics that they discuss, and they're kind of the subject matter experts as we used to say in the military they provide interesting commentary on their on their subjects so as i said well, i don't never mention it often enough but but you really should go to the uh, x zone uh, the x uh, website and take a look at what they have to say so um i was gonna kind of leave on a high note and bow out of this but as i say you know as i thought of it as kind of a finale but uh, talking to rob um, he thought maybe a hiatus, hiatus would be a better thing, and he, could, he told me that I could come back when I was ready to do the program again, and I, I appreciate that, and I think long and hard about it. I mean, it's been a blast to do the program. It's a, it's a joy to talk to Rob um, prior to the program, and as we're winding things down uh, at the end of the program, there's uh, we have a lot of fun doing that, and there's things that go on in the commercial breaks that, that you all don't get to listen to. But it's, it's been a, a lot of fun to do that. And so I wanted to just thank everybody for listening. And uh, instead of saying I'll be back in 167 hours, um, I'll be back sometime later. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, keep up the good work.